We know that there's a lot that goes into being a woman entrepreneur. And when you don't have the support you need, you can end up feeling overwhelmed, burned out, and lost with no direction. The Empowered Beauty Boss podcast helps women go from feeling frustrated and hoping that their business succeeds to creating an intentional plan and an empowered mindset so they can have the thriving business they deserve. We realize that it's an incredible time to be a woman entrepreneur and there's more opportunities now than ever. But with all these new opportunities, there's very few roadmaps to guide you through the ups and downs of being a woman in business. The Empower Beauty Boss podcast is the place for woman entrepreneurs to come together and learn through personal experiences, success stories, hands-on advice, and guest speakers who are the ultimate beauty bosses. Join us to get real and raw on what it means to be an empowered beauty boss. Hey, Lindy, welcome to the Empowered Beauty Boss podcast. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Really excited to have you. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing that I really wanted to know is your story because Maggie's told me a little bit about it and it sounds amazing and so inspiring. So just like start from day one and then let's go from there. Okay. So I don't want to guys to bore you guys. I feel like it it can be a long story. So basically, I was in hair school. Um, I was 19 and I took an eyelash course. It was $500. I set aside money that I didn't really have and (laughs) took my eyelash course. Um, I was my trainer's very first student. And in that class, it was a one-on-one class. I feel like it was a really great class actually. I feel like most people, they're like, oh, I took this horrible class and it didn't get me anywhere. Um, I really loved my first class. It really didn't have any theory, um, but the hands-on was awesome. It gave me a great start. At the end of my class, the trainer was like, I would love to have you work for me. And I think her saying that gave me the mind of like, oh, so you think I'm good at this? You want me to work for you? Yep. (laughs) So from there, I just had it in my head that I was really good at this. (laughs) That's awesome though. Um, So from there, immediately what I did was I went to my Facebook because I was eager to do clients. I was about to graduate school and I was even more eager to make money. Um, So I went to my Facebook and I said, hey, a full set of lashes is $100. Mind you, this was back in 2000 and 10. So keep that in mind. (laughs) Um, the first 10 people that reach out to me, I'll do your lashes for 50% off. Um, from there I got my 10 and then I got 10 more and I literally grew a clientele very quickly. Well, and that's the way to do it. I feel like when you first start, and this is where a lot of people get it wrong, whether it's lashes, hair, makeup, whatever, they want to go in doing full price because in a lot of classes, I feel like, especially now, they're like, don't do deals, don't do discounts. And it's like, no, take everybody you can, do it at a discounted rate because you have to get practice in and you have to get clients in and you'll figure out the loyal clients as you get better and as you raise your prices. And so it just kind of kills me when people are like, oh, I'm not getting clients. And I'm like, well, what are you doing in order to kind of like not get them? You know what I mean? And I think that your story is such a good example of how you can use a discount as like excitement and less like, 
oh, I'm desperate for clients, so I'm giving you 50% off because I need clients. It's more like, hey, I'm excited about this. I want to get you in the door. So it was mm-hmm. more of not coming from a space of like lack or desperation, but more just like you just wanted to meet people and get clients and just get them in. And I think that that's the right way to do a discount is to make it just to get people excited about you and your work and your name and get people in in an excited way, not in a way of like, I'm dropping my prices because no one's paying me full price and now I'm yeah. poor. You know, it's a different energy and that's what attracts people is when you're like, I'll do them 50% off because you have a passion and you're excited about it, then that's what will have people yeah, kind of flood totally in. Different. But I think, yeah, that's like the best way to do like a discount or, you know, to start out is to just like build excitement around your name and get people talking. That's mm-hmm. like, so I love that. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so I did the clients and it was good for me. I felt like because I was able to pick up and improve on my speed, which is something that you need to do out of class. You know, you can learn the hands-on and the theory and how to do eyelashes, but coming out of your first class, you will not have the speed that, you know, a lash artist down the road of two years has. Um, can you get to her level? Yes. You just need to put in the time and take those clients. Um, actually, Groupon launched at this time as well, and I was the first beauty ad on Groupon in the state of Utah, and I sold 150 Groupons. Oh my gosh. So we did it for 50% off, which is $50, and then Groupon at the time paid you 50% of that. So I got paid $25 for one full set, which yes, it took me two hours, but at the end of the day, I saw it. I was still making money. You know, I was making after product about $20 um, a set, which is $10 an hour, Mm -hmm. which I feel like out of hair school, straight out of school is not horrible. Um, And, you know, especially where I was like, yeah, I thought I was good. But through those 150 clients, I learned how to treat clients better. I learned how to get those inner corners. I learned how to be quicker at eyelashes. Um, I just had a lot of aha moments that really helped me to build my career very quickly. Mm, I love that. I think that is like the best way to go into starting a business is, you know, finding gratitude for where you're at not comparing yourself to the artists that are two years down the road and are, you know, getting paid $150 and you're getting paid 20, not comparing your journey, but just saying, Hey, if you actually sit down, you were grateful for that $10 an hour. Mm -hmm. Like you were getting paid to do something you were excited about. You could have made $10 an hour at like a McDonald's down the street, but you were able to like be creative and, you know, put your art on someone's eyes. And so I love that instead of using that as a reason why you were a failure, or you weren't where you wanted to be. It was like, nope, this is exactly what I, where I want to go. It's going to take me where to where I want to go. And I'm also really grateful for the money that I was getting, but it also seems like it was intentional. Like the Groupon thing was very intentional way to build your business, to get people in the door, to get people talking about you. And I think that that's something I want to put out there. Like if you're using these techniques in your business or you're just starting out, it's important to have intention behind the $20 for a full set. Mm-hmm. Like what are you going to do with these clients? Are you going to, you know, hopefully turn them into long-term clients where they come and get a fill and they, you know, they go up with you as your rate goes up or like you have to be intentional. You can't just, you know, attract a bunch of clients and then not 
want to keep them or whatever it is to grow your business Mm -hmm. but it sounded like you were really intentional and grateful for what you were getting in the moment and I just think that that's really important to point out that's Mm -hmm. probably what helped you get to where you're you are now so I felt like a lot of people too like Mark and I have talked about this um I had someone message me and she'd only been doing lashes for maybe three months and she was like oh you have to be so well known in my area and I'm not charging what I want to charge whatever and she had all of these like giant business expectations like my speed's not where I want it to be she was at two hours for a classic full set which I think is the industry standard yeah Yeah, that's good and I was like well how long have you been lashing and she's like oh three months and I was like girl like you can't compare (laughs) yourself to these other people it's like that that is when I had a big change in my career is when I stopped comparing and I was okay with being at the industry standard timing because so many people stress about that and I think another thing too is people forget you make your money with the fills not the full sets if they continue to come back that's where you're going to make the majority of your money so it's okay to have you know a little bit of a discount on your full set to start getting people in and then continue on and treat them well as a client and everything and have them for years and years. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people do. Luckily for me, there was no Instagram when I started doing eyelashes. So I really didn't have anyone to compare right. myself to. Yeah, that's true. Um, comparison can be so... It can um, be a killer. Yes. <laughs> really is what it comes down to. Um, you know, now I don't necessarily compare myself to lash artists, um, but I do sometimes have to be like, stop looking at other companies. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. They are in a different lane than you are, and you just keep your own speed and do what is best for you. But Yeah. yeah. So speaking of other companies, so you go to school, you get taught, you're feeling on top of the world because this person is like, yeah, be like in my training. You get these clients, you learn all these different things. So why did you decide to start your whole um, product? So I was doing all these clients and then I was still in hair school. Um, and everyone at school was like, teach me how to do this. Teach me how to do this. And I'm like, okay, like, here's my tweezers, here's some lashes, let's go in the break room, you know, have you lay on a table, we'll do each other, I'll, I'll watch you do someone's lashes. Um, so I started training these girls at school, I wasn't charging them anything, I was just teaching them, you know, I didn't have a manual, I didn't have much other than this is how you do it. Um, and from that, I feel like I learned, again, a lot of aha moments, and then I'm like, I think I can make money teaching people this. Um, I started charging $100 to teach people. They would come to my house and then they would purchase a kit um, from like the only eyelash company that was around (laughs) at the time. (laughs) So then I was like, you know, I think I can make money off of these products too. Um, So I just started Googling and Googling and Googling, trying to figure out at the time how to manufacture products. And I knew in my mind, everything comes from overseas. Everything I've ever seen growing up, it's all said made in China, made in China, made in China. So I felt like I knew where I should look if I was thinking about where anything in the world came. Um, But yeah, so I stumbled upon products. Um, I've now been through a few different very large revisions on our eyelashes. Um, The first ones that we sold, they definitely did the job. 
Um, were they the greatest? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they did the job. And at the time, there honestly wasn't much to do. Um, but yeah, we've definitely evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Well, and the point <laughs> is too, like you figured out that you could train and then with training comes product and it just all like made sense together. And I like that even though maybe it wasn't the best, it was probably best that was out there, you still went for it instead of being, eh, I'm gonna wait until something else comes mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, I'm getting this product so I'm a step ahead of someone else. And then as a prog- or as a product progressively got better, you kept taking those steps to be ahead of other people and have really phenomenal product. And sometimes that's all you need is to be one step ahead of somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not that person that like just to likes to sit back and watch. I'm a total doer and I want to do it myself. I don't want to ask someone else how to do it. I want to do it myself, learn from my mistakes, learn how I can do it better and... I feel like when people are like, you can't do that, then I make it makes me want to do it even more. Yes. <laughs> like, look, actually, I can. Right. But So that um, actually makes me think, as we were discussing on the way down, like some mistakes. Do you have mm-hmm. like any mistakes that you would share with people that are either starting in lashes or in hair or literally anything in the beauty industry that's just like, yep, I made this mistake. I'm owning up to it, though. And here's how to kind of like move on from that or whatever like what you learned from it yeah what advice would you give um okay so I would say first off if an opportunity is given to you which they generally are not given to you but if an opportunity comes or you find an opportunity for something that you should definitely do it um definitely try and map out a plan of okay how am I going to do this even if it's just like you're highlighting someone's hair for example this was like a really horrible thing that happened to me in hair school I was highlighting someone's hair and um I obviously didn't know what I was doing she was my first highlight and I think it like bled all over and I don't remember much hair because I don't do hair at all because I was actually horrible at it but (laughs) the coloring part I was really good at a men's haircut um but the coloring part was not my, not my cup of tea. So, um, but I learned from that, you know, okay, maybe this isn't for me or should I try and improve this? And at that time I'm like, Hmm, I started doing men's haircuts and I realized, Oh, I like this and I can do this pretty well. Yeah. So I feel like taking different opportunities leads you to where you may not necessarily end up because I don't feel like this is the end for me. Like this is, this is it. Um, but it leads you down the path that you may take in life. Um, so I try and take every opportunity. Um, for example, I am not very involved in my child's school, but I want to be, and I don't like socializing with other moms. But oh, I'm those like, PTA I'm meetings, Lindy. <laughs> Today I was like, I'm going to go to this PTA meeting. I'm going to listen to what these moms have to say, and I'm going to do what I need to do to be a part of this. So, yeah, I would say to <laughs> take opportunities, go out of your comfort zone. I do a lot of things that make me uncomfortable. Um, and I, I, I got asked for something the other day. Someone said, what's your most embarrassing moment? And I couldn't think of anything because I was like, well, I don't think I get embarrassed. Like either take it or leave it. I don't care what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, I really like that mindset (laughs) and I need to get better about that because like sometimes I won't care depending on who I'm with. But other times I'm like, ugh, frick. Like, what did those people think? (laughs) Whatever. And I still get in in my head too much about it. But I do like that. Yeah, like take it or leave it. Because with anything in life, you have to make a decision. And if you're given an opportunity to go do this or that, like, okay, decide. You have to decide. It's your life. You're in control of your life. So where do you want your life to go? Well, and so many people are just terrified of failure and terrified of that embarrassment and so like human beings hate shame i think it's like the most feared emotion um shame is so uncomfortable and so i think that's why people don't take opportunities because it's like what if i fail what if i don't um perform good enough or you know what if i hate it and that's what stunts them where i like where you mentioned just to take every opportunity because if you say yes and it doesn't work out now you know and it might lead you or give you an idea or take you somewhere that feels really good but you won't know until you know you know Mm -hmm. so I think that's huge um a lot of people no matter where they're at in business taking those opportunities and being okay with feeling the emotion of shame if it doesn't go right or it falls through or you know putting the ego aside and just kind of realizing that whether it's a trial or a triumph it was put in your path for a reason it needed to teach you something and again using that perspective of having gratitude that the universe or God or whatever you believe in kind of presented this to you um, for a reason will get you so far in life instead of just shutting it down before you even try it because again most of the time it's the ego not wanting to be uncomfortable not wanting to feel shame not wanting to fail and honestly um, I feel like the most successful people are the ones with some of the biggest failures or they're the ones who fall down the most because that's how they've gotten to where they're at is because they've learned through trial and error and it doesn't have to be a huge failure but just even hiccups or feeling embarrassment like I don't know anyone who's super super successful who's like never felt shame probably feels shame once a day in their life like it's just kind of part of it um because the ego likes to play small and when you if you have these big dreams you kind of got to play big and hard emotions come with it and not to be afraid of those and to just like take them on and, and use as much gratitude as you can while you're doing it yeah for sure we um so at one point so I started We've been around since 2010, right? But in 2015, I really tried to, I realized that I was trying to do three things. I was trying to train, I was trying to do clients, and I was trying to sell product. So I felt like I was kind of doing half-ass so that I could keep all three afloat and I needed to decide, okay, I need, you know, where you water it grows. So I need to really focus in on one thing. And at the time I was pregnant with twins. So I was like, okay, you know, I don't think doing clients is where I need to feed my energy because I was a high risk pregnancy. You know, you can't lash the whole time. Then I'm going to have these newborn babies that are going to be attached to me. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to give product my all. So I took some money, um, maybe like $1,500. Um, I found this guy, this web developer that could better my website and do this and do that. And I was like, so like, oh yeah, totally. (laughs) So I give him money. And at the time that was, you know, that's a lot of money. Um, and I'm like, yeah, this, this is going to go great. Um, he worked on our website and didn't really get anywhere. So, <laughs> but from there I learned, okay, I really need to look into the person before I hire them. I do not need to base it, say, off of their resume, maybe more off of like 
um, the type of person they are, if they're teachable or what, what they're, um, what they've done for others in the past and maybe look at, um, examples of it. Um, then I signed on with a different company for a website and spent a whole lot of money there. And then I finally realized I th- what what we should be doing. But So it took me about a year and a half of trial and error with websites to finally realize, oh, this is what we need to do. Um, and so when people are like, what's your biggest failure? I don't really look at that as a failure because I still learned, I still grew from it. And yeah, I wasted a little bit of money, but... It's just money, right? Well, and if you wouldn't have, quote unquote, wasted that money, then you wouldn't have gone out looking for that bigger, better company. You wouldn't have the website now that you have now. Again, it's that if you were so afraid of wasting money that you didn't go and just hire someone, you don't know until you know. Like, it's so... Um, again, I think if that would have stopped you, then you would have the same website. You might have not grown as much. You would be kind of stuck and stagnant again, but you got uncomfortable. You did the scary thing. You paid $1,500 for someone. It didn't work out. You quote unquote wasted that money, but that was the stepping stone to get you to where you're at. So again, it's not, that's, there's no such thing as failure. Yeah, no failure. Failure and um, what else is it? There's a few other things that like we legitimately make it up in our mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like totally it's not agree. a real thing. We make it up to ourselves. You know I, what I mean? literally think you could spin any failure and turn it into like a blessing or a teaching or like, especially if you're looking at people who have had um, success, like I bet that they could take any failure and see how it got them to where they're at. And you can spin anything into um, like, you can spin anything to be positive and you can be grateful Mm -hmm. for you can choose to be grateful or you can choose to look at it as a failure Uh, it's a a lot easier to look at it as a failure Mm -hmm. I I like to talk to people on Instagram and more so in person and like really get to know them because I will go through people's like different people's profiles and whatnot and I make up this whole thing about them and them being this perfect person and whatever and then I finally meet them and I'm like oh you are real and it erases like so much stress and stuff around it it's so Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. so yeah it really is just all made up in your freaking mind Mm -hmm. um I kind of want to move from the failure conversation though and talk about like what were the pivotal moments in your business that if like that like helped you I know you talked a little bit about like doing the 50% off and doing Groupon that helped you get a lot of clients but like what um, other moments were you like oh my gosh like if I wouldn't have done this and I wouldn't be where I'm at like what are those decisions or those triumphs or those successes that you had or opportunities that were really vital for you to take advantage of or I just kind of want people who are listening to be able to learn and be like oh this is how she what she did this was her strategy so I would say that anytime I saw like oh I I had growth there or I improved or oh that was a really great um sale or it's like um, our Black Friday sale this past year was really successful. Um, so when I look back at things that I consider like, oh, that was a success. Oh, that was a success. Um, and I really analyze why was it a success? Um, and this sounds like so cliche and you would think that it took like more rocket science, but it's really just like that's when I put in the most work. 
you know, when I worked really hard, like when I was trying to grow my clientele, I did lashes for $10 an hour. I worked really hard. Um, You know, when I was trying to grow my Instagram following, um, I remember it it was in December one day I was looking at my Instagram and I'm like, I have 500 followers. Like I'm not going to buy them, um, but I want to get I want to reach more people and I want to reach more people. Um, so <laughs> I was like, well, I need to post more and I need to interact more and I need to spend more time on it. Um, so, you know, I spent time, I spent more time thoughtfully thinking, okay, what should I post? Um, what do these people want to hear? And I need to interact with them. If someone interacts with me, I need to interact with them. Kind of treat it like, you know, if you saw someone per- in someone in person and they were like, oh, hey, cute skirt, you wouldn't just walk away. You would engage and continue to talk with them. Um, and I set goals um, for whatever reason, you know, like my little kids, they love when I make these charts and I'm like, now we put five stickers on and once you get 30 stickers, we get to go buy a Barbie. Like it's kind of like the same, like people really love or what's the word um like satisfaction and like meeting your goals achieving something so I feel like that's how it is like I was like okay I want 5,000 followers by this time and I did it um and I didn't let anything stop me um so I feel like that's when I really grew the most is when I really planned what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve by doing that I'm curious with your growth of 500 to 5,000 followers, what like actual strategy did you use? Like, did you use hashtags or was it really just going and following with following back people in your community, commenting on their stuff? Um, was it like, would you reach out to other people with a more following and like, you know, be on their story and do shout outs? Like what, what was your cup of tea? Like what worked for you to get up to that number? So I, I'm a Googler. I Google everything. I don't ask like my neighbor or my sister or my friend, like, what did you do here? Because their opinion doesn't matter to me. Um, I want to Google or read a book or something like firm um, or ask someone that has experienced that like don't ask the dog groomer how they did that (laughs) Um, ask someone Mm -hmm. that's you've seen and find what I did early on I don't I think this I know it helped me actually is I found someone that I was I guess you would say like your role, I don't know if I call her my role model, but like my business mentor, even (laughs) though she doesn't know she's my business mentor. Her name's Susan Peterson and I'm so obsessed with her. Um, (laughs) She owns Freshly Picked, it's a moccasin company. Yes. And I followed her business from the ground up. She's a billionaire now. Um, And I watched the things that she did. I watched, okay, she's posting. Okay, what is she commenting? What is she doing? What are they doing? I subscribed to their newsletters. Um, I watched everything that they did. Even though at the time I didn't have young babies that could even wear their moccasins and her business had nothing to do with my business, but it was still the same kind of business, an online store that sold to customers. Um, I watched how they did their customer service. I watched the parties they threw. I watched all of that. Anyway, I got off topic. So back to the Instagram. But find someone that you think... Um, that is inspiring to you and see, you don't have to ask them. I never asked her, how do you run your sale? I just watched and saw what she did and saw where she had success. 
Um, so for the Instagram, I did a lot of things. I did a lot of Googling, right? And a lot of looking at other people's Instagrams that I thought in my mind were successful. Um, I saw that they were commenting. I knew that you could use the 30 hashtags that were relevant to your business. So for me, they were like eyelash supplies, eyelash extensions, lash artists, those type of things. Um, and I started really interacting with my followers Um, For the business that we have, we saw eyelash supplies. So I went and got brand reps and I started having people do shout outs for us. Um, Hey, I'll send you a tray. Can can you, if you like it, can you post about us? Um, And just really starting to gain a community. That's awesome. It's awesome. You know what I'm noticing with literally everything Lindy is saying (laughs) is seriously like your mindset with everything. Like it's very strong and very like, I will do this and I don't like have to have help. Like I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to make it be like a great thing. And so that makes me think like thinking back to your mindset from being 19 to now, how has your mindset changed through all of this? Um, I've always been very stern, like, oh no, I'm going to do this. Oh, you don't want me to do that? You don't think it's a good idea? Oh, I'm definitely going to do it now. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I've always been that way. Um, you know, so when I did get pregnant, when I was 18, my mom was like, okay, you think, you think you're an adult, you think you can do this? Um, go ahead. She cut me off. She didn't speak to me. She didn't offer any help. Um, she cut me off of her medical, everything. Like, you think you're an adult, you need to do this. You're not moving in with me. I'm not buying you a single thing. You're doing this. Um, so I feel like I had like two options. You know, you could give your child up for adoption because I really couldn't afford a child. Um, I had nowhere to live. I barely had a running car. Or I could work really hard and provide the life that the child deserved, right? Um, so obviously I chose the one that I could prove my mom wrong. And I'm very grateful. <laughs> very grateful that I did choose that one. Um, you know, you have to do what's best for you. And I feel like everyone needs a why. And that was really my why in my business was... I needed to provide for this little mm. human that I created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having a why is so huge. Um, I mean, in business, there's the mindset and the energy and there's a strategy, but I think um, behind any really successful business is like a strong why. I know of a business coach, um, her daughter got diagnosed with something. I'm not sure what it was, but they needed to come up with like, thousands of dollars for her medication and her treatment and she was in her words a broke fitness coach at the time and um so she just hustled and she had to make sixty thousand dollars in six months and she did it and so now she's a super successful business coach but it was that why of like i have to do this for my daughter that pushed her to make that money and just keep going and put her head down and not look like put her blinders on and just like do her because she had such a strong why. So we really recommend that to um, people who are listening. If you are wanting to, you know, have your own business or be a beauty boss, um, I think it's really important to have a why because when it gets hard, you don't have a choice. Like you have to keep going. Mm -hmm. You have to keep trying. Um, If you've got a strong enough why, your why should bring up emotion in the body your why should um be something that makes you really passionate and you want to talk about it and you're really excited about it um having even like um having nice like we were talking about like having louis vuitton shoes or even having a dream home that's sometimes not enough 
Um, it needs to be like a why that only you it can really have. It really hits home it and hits makes home. you want to like become very empowered. And a and a child is a perfect example of like mm-hmm. I have to show up for not only myself but this other person. Yeah. Um, but there's so many other whys out there. You know, you just some people like want to buy their mom a house one day or they want to retire yeah. their husband or you know there's but there needs to be a, a really strong why behind any good business mm-hmm. i think that will help when it gets when the going gets tough it'll keep you it's um, your reminder committed. it's your yeah. reminder of like why you're doing this and why you're showing up in the first place mm-hmm. so i think that's great going a little bit back to when you were like i don't care about my neighbor my sister or my friends <laughs> opinions but i really liked that because for me, I talked about this on my Instagram a little while ago, but um, we were picking out like the intro song for this podcast and I yeah. showed my husband the songs and he, like the one that we ended up choosing, he was like, no, don't like that one. <laughs> but I loved it. And so I was like, okay, thanks. And then I sent Mark, I love this one. So like, it's just kind yeah. of funny because I included him, but I was not going to take what he said um, as like true advice. I knew yeah. it was best for me. I just sometimes it's fun to like and have someone involved in your thought process Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like he has no idea what sounds best in front of a podcast like at least a beauty boss podcast yeah and ultimately like what do you like the most exactly and again I think you know you hear this all the time but in business you want to work with someone who's a few steps ahead of you you don't want to be carrying people who are a few steps back um and so i think again if you are going to reach out and have it and get advice from people you want to make sure that they're that few steps ahead they're where you want to be they have the lifestyle you want to live because again you can reach out to someone who um uses dumps all their money into charity work and it goes on humanitarian trips and that might you might rather have the Louis Vuitton shoes or you might want someone who does the humanitarian trips or does lots of charity work and builds homes for homeless people um or and but instead you really want the Louis Vuitton shoes like it doesn't matter it doesn't make you a better or worse person but you want to make sure you're choosing someone who's a few steps ahead of you but has created the life and business that you want um because then they're going to be able to help you get exactly there and you want to make sure the values and all of that's the same and um I think that's like the best time to get advice. Your friends give really bad advice because they have, they, they are biased, you know, they want you to succeed and they want to protect your feelings. And sometimes they can actually want you to play small because they don't want to see you get hurt. And so friends and our loved ones can sometimes give really bad advice and it's not because it's, they're wrong. It's just because they care and they're too close and they don't know. And so um, be careful who you're, you can vent and you can have their support, but you need to make sure that you get back up and go to someone who's more of a mentor and a few steps ahead for sure. So here's my question for both of you then. (laughs) Let's say, because there's going to be so many different people listening to this, Mm. you're going to have the Lindy's and the Sydney's Mm -hmm. and the Maggie's and whatever. I was going to mix your guys' name. (laughs) Lindy is very headstrong. She's like, I'm doing this. I've got a good mindset, whatever. I don't care what other people think. Then you jump over to me and I'm like, yeah, I've got this. And then some days I'm just like, shit, like what do these people think? So for both of you, for the people out there that are still concerned about what people think, how would you tell them to start approaching not caring in a way and not being like, bitchy about it because I feel like some people will start getting into it and they're like yeah whatever but they sound like 
kind of bitchy. Okay, I was literally thinking about this on the way here. Like, there's a side where it's total arrogance, and it's yeah. total, like, your ego is so inflated. If someone were to come to you and say, honey, this is you're doing this wrong, or I don't like the way that you're doing this, or I would tweak this, someone who might know what they're talking about, or mm-hmm. even, like, with customer service, you have to kind of hear their feedback, which can be tough. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but Lindy just like bowed over like, oh my gosh. Lindy loves customer service. I do have a great story. She really does. Love okay, it. so we'll move into that. But um, it's, if you're too over the top, not headstrong, I love headstrong people, but if your ego gets too inflated in the sense of, you don't want to fill yourself up so much to where you can't take feedback. Criticism, whatever i don't i don't think anyone needs to really listen to criticism but feedback is a different story and you want to make sure that the feed like for instance if the feedback's coming from your dad maybe don't listen to it if it, your dad's not gonna know much about lashes and owning a lash business or a beauty business um but if like a peer or a customer gives you feedback it's important to be able to listen to it um so it's like this perfect balance of not being so submissive and being so concerned and worried about what other people's think or um not like being so passive but also not being so over the top in your ego like you want to be able to be headstrong but still take feedback and like let the ego come down and have constructive conversations with people i'm really curious to hear your customer service story and your experience with that because you are headstrong and so you've i'm sure you've had to learn how to be able to take (laughs) feedback but that's like what creates a great business so I would love to hear that story. Oh, I'm so excited for this. So good. (laughs) So obviously I'm not going to tell you any names in this story. um, But yeah, so this happened to me very recently. Um, A little bit of a back story though. Um, When I was in high school, I had an English teacher. English was my favorite subject because it wasn't like science or math where you really had to know like what was seven plus seven. It was like English was like you just BS your way through a paper. And as long as you were good at that, like you would get a good grade. (laughs) So I was really good at English. So I had this English teacher and his name was Mr. Sassenberg. I'll tell his okay, name. Okay, that's fantastic, <laughs> and, Sassenberg. Um, he, he would never give me a 100% on anything. And one thing he said is, I'll never give any student a 100% because there's always room for improvement. So I feel like I've always stuck with that. Like, I, I could get a 90, I could get a 92, but I don't think I ever got over a 92. He was like, no, you're never going to get a 100. So I'm like, okay. But <laughs> it stayed really well with me because through my business, I've always known there's always room for improvement. You know, even like taking courses to better what your trade is. People are like, why are you still taking courses? And you're like, well, there's always room for improvement. Even if you just take away one or two things from that class you still learn something right um so going into my customer service story i do we have spreadsheets for different things like the these customers complained about this 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 many customers didn't receive their package or whatever right so we really keep a good tally of the percentage of things because i mean if you only have one out of a thousand people complaining about something uh keep it into consideration but you know um if you have like 700 people out of a thousand that's like 70 percent um that might be a bit high so you should really reevaluate on your end so i actually they all came at once i did have a few customer service um 
things that people didn't like and it was mainly um, our return policy. It wasn't really anything about the product. So then what did I do? I turned to Google. I started Googling return policies for Sephora, for Old Navy, for all different kinds of companies to see what they do. Not necessarily my competitors, but just anyone in the general world that owned a company and had a return policy. Um, But this customer came to me and they were really unkind right off the bat on my personal Instagram. They somehow found my personal Instagram, which is private now, even before, actually right before that, and started messaging me um, and just saying really rude things like, you don't know how to run a business. I saw you didn't go to business school. Um, Just things that could really put someone down. And I didn't respond on my personal Instagram because I felt like, they want to talk to someone in our business. They don't need to talk to me. And I didn't feel like I needed to respond to that person. So they had also messaged on our business Instagram. So there we, as a team, decided, okay, this is what we're going to say. We were very great about it. But at the end of the day, they just said, you know, your business sucks, basically. um, And you need to take a look at other people's return policies. But mind you, this person was very, um, they wouldn't tell us their name or their order number. So we don't even know if they were a real human because the Instagram account that they were messaging us on didn't have a name or a picture or any type of followers. So I kind of felt like it was like more of a bully tactic, but at the end of the day, I still took it into consideration. We had a huge meeting about it for like three hours and we're like, I think we need to make some changes here and maybe we need to do this. Um, So even though, you know, it came about in a very like, do we even listen to this thing on the other side of the internet? Like, is that thing a human? Did they really have um, an interaction of any kind with our business? They knew a lot about us, so we still took it into consideration and found ways to improve, hopefully. So, yeah, that's my... That is so neat. And again, like, going back to her mindset, because literally, like, you're just so strong with everything, and I like that you didn't react immediately off of your emotion because you are having emotion, like, you get hit in the gut, like, oh, this isn't true, but people are thinking this, and you're angry, and you're sad, and you're all of these things, and... You didn't respond immediately. You sat down, you talked it through and took, um, you know, a good action on it. And you're like, yeah, okay, I can improve. Like you found the light in that, which a lot of people don't do. And they immediately get sad and question themselves or their business. And I mean, I did like, oh, I was definitely angry. Like, cause I felt like this person is like immediately attacking me. I mean, they, you know, they found me on my personal Instagram. Um, and I did feel like, okay, this, I, I didn't know if it was more of an attack toward me or my business, but at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. Um, but I still took it as like, okay, we, maybe we can improve something. Um, and yeah, you're always going to have, you're never going to be able to please everybody. Yeah. But if your percentage of unhappy people is, should be very low, you shouldn't have a high unhappy customer rate or would whoever you are serving um, in the service industry, you know, you should be pleasing them for at sure. the end of the day. For sure. <laughs> so kind of to like go back to my question, so what would be the first thing that you guys would tell people to help with these different situations, you know, to not immediately act on those first emotions or if they um, don't want to care so much about what other people say, like what would be 
like, okay, you're feeling this way, but we're going to work through it. Like, how do they take themselves through the process to work through it, to be able to grow, to get into that stronger mindset and everything? So I feel like, like that person that was angry at me, like she might not have been angry at me. Maybe, you know, different people have different situations. Like sometimes I get mad at my kid and then I go somewhere else and I'm mean to the server. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not the server's fault that... I had a really bad day at home with my kids, but that's just who I happen to take it out on. Yeah. Um, so I try and keep that in mind. Like, I don't know what is happening, you know, on in their day. I don't know, you know. So I try to keep in mind, like, nobody is perfect. We all, like, have bad days and we all... So try not to think... Don't re- don't be emotional. I don't know. I think I'm yeah. the most emotionless human, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but it, it has it has served. Yeah. yeah, in business I have learned that I have to make business decisions not being emotional. Um, because if I do, it's I'm really doing it based off of my emotions and not necessarily what's best. So kind of same with like I am a very shy person. Um, you know, I may be headstrong, but I'm also very shy, which is kind of strange. Um, so like I got asked to speak at an event. Um, I did not want to do it because that's completely out of my comfort zone, but I was like, I'm going to do this. And I was, I was terrified. Actually I was of like, what are these people going to say? Like I'm speaking with really smart, successful people, the audience, like I, there's nothing I could tell them that could improve them. Um, but at the end of the day, there is, or they wouldn't show up and want Mm -hmm. to hear you, or they wouldn't be following you, or they wouldn't, they wouldn't be your audience. I hope that made sense. It does. I, I love that. Well, so for me, I've worked with lots and lots of humans and, um, you know, I get the occasional woman who comes in and is trying to decide whether her relationship is working for her or maybe, um, there was like some infidelity that happened or, you know, um, or maybe they're trying to decide if they want to take out a small business loan for their business. You know, people come to me with these huge decisions and they're like, help me make this decision. And the biggest thing I tell them is you have to be like centered. Mm -hmm. So I have them, I ask them, okay, when you think of say divorce, we can all sort of relate to divorce. We know someone who's been, you know, so it's an easy thing to kind of talk about. It's, we can all relate to it. So divorce, if you think of the divorce or whatever it is, and I say zero to 10, which Maggie knows this, and 10 is high, high, high emotion, and zero is no emotion, you need to be below a two to make any decision. So you do not threaten a breakup, you not threaten divorce, you do not go and get that small business loan, even if the emotion is excitement. You don't wanna act on it immediately because if you're hungry, horny, angry, happy, that is all still an unemotional state. So that's why people make dumb decisions sometimes. And sometimes, you know, and I'm not saying that you can't like when there's like a rush of inspiration and it's like, oh my gosh, I got to do that. That's a different, that's a different emotion. That's a different feeling. That's not, you have to be really careful to act on like um, a really strong desire. That's like your intuition, right? Mm -hmm. Telling you, no, go for this. Sometimes we need like this pump up to like go and do a scary thing or just like get this like confidence and like go for it. But a lot of the time it's our ego when it comes to like being angry or emotional or again, 
being hungry is a huge one. Being horny is a huge one. Like I'm just saying like those are all of the things um, that make us irrational. So if you're on a 10 of the angry scale or even a five, you're not going to make the best decision for everyone. Um, and so I tell everyone to be, you know, if it's a big decision, you're having to take a couple days to really you know, think it over, I would say try and get below a two. But also still allow your intuition to get you excited and like make those rational decisions because it's sometimes those, you know, the person who is like, oh my gosh, I'm just gonna go and do it. It's like the best thing ever, but it's usually that emotion of like stepping out of fear and just be like, I'm gonna do it. So there's that, but then I also wanted to say, I don't think you're emotionalist, but it sounded like you more just had compassion for everyone involved. Like, it's not so much that you were emotionless and heartless, because if you were, then you probably would have just reacted and not cared how mm -hmm. whose feelings you hurt. But you, it's important in business to have compassion. I say you want to make it a win-win-win. You want to make it a win for yourself and the customer, and then if there's ever a middleman or you know an employee or something, you wanted to make it a win for everyone, and you have to do that by having compassion. I like okay. that you said you didn't just react I think that's that's just it like if something happens do not just react yeah no literally like <laughs> let it, it sit if you need to go and talk to someone about it then do that but do not just react that's your first step there you go don't react. <laughs> yeah and I always say like sleep on it one of our employees I think I entered I, I've wanted to hire her I've known her since she was 16 I've wanted to hire her forever so I interviewed her and I was like oh I don't know and then I think I interviewed her two more times um and then we were emailing like 20 emails and then when I came to like a big decision like okay you're gonna do this or no we you know just decisions we had to make for her um I was always like okay let me sleep on it and I'll get back to you tomorrow like I felt like it wasn't something that I could just be like yep done hired let's do it yeah I was mm -hmm. like I need to think about this um and I feel like I do do that a lot um actually I think I am really slow at making decisions sometimes um I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. And then I'm like, I need like to think about whether you write it down or think about it in your head. Like, okay, how can this go badly and how can this go smoothly? And then how can I make this go smoothly if I do decide to go? I, I like it. how you say that you make slow decisions, but you're not like per se procrastinating. Mm -hmm. Like it's a really intentional, slow decision-making process so that again, the emotions can kind of settle down. You can really um, be clear headed about it. But I think that some people can hear this and be like, oh yeah, I'm a slow decision maker too, but you're actually just procrastinating <laughs> and not making any decisions at all and, and using that as an excuse. So I don't want you to do that. I want you to notice if you're being actually a procrastinator or if you're being intentional with your slow decision making so just wanted to put that out there but I like the idea of like taking a day to respond and being a slow decision maker but at the end of the day you're making decisions and you're doing it in an appropriate amount of time like you're not again procrastinating I think that's such a good way to take yourself out of the equation but when it comes to being like headstrong I think that there's, there's just naturally going to be people who aren't are going to be more headstrong and who aren't. Mm -hmm. And I want the people who aren't super headstrong to not take this and be like, I need to be more headstrong because that's not authentic to who you are. And so that will not come off well. It will come off funky. True. The people who are headstrong are headstrong for, you know, and that's who they are. And it's going to be a really natural state for them. What you need to do is just find your zone of genius, your comfort comfortable space and build a business around that but you also I would recommend having some people around you who may be maybe the headstrong maybe having a partner maybe having a business mentor mentor who can kind of um 
see that other side for you because I feel like to every headstrong person there's also another person who might say hey see it look at it this way or Mm -hmm. maybe relax a little bit like there just needs to be ebbs and flows but don't try and be something you're not Um, but again like I kind of mentioned in the beginning of this episode if you are someone that is like struggling with comparison and wanting to give up and not thinking that you're you know performing well or whatever it is I think if you are so clear on your goal and how to get there and you are actually like just doing it um you don't have time to like look around like you're so focused in on your goal and deadlines and when you're going to do it and um like for you you said you set the goal 5,000 by a certain amount of time and you did it and you didn't have time to like wander off Instagram and go and compare yourself because you were so driven and Mm -hmm. I just think again you need to find that drive if you aren't driven to do something you need to figure out a way to get that drive within you and that's that why you need to find the why and you need to set goals you need to set Um, boundaries for yourself and you just need to kind of zone in if you know exactly what you should be doing in your business every day and you feel clear on that I feel like it's a lot harder than to just like go out and kind of focus on what everyone else is doing because you don't need to you feel good you're doing you're showing up for your business every day you're delegating things that you need to delegate and you've got those people around you that can kind of help fill in the gaps we've all got gaps but at the end of the day show up in your business how you best show up I think so yeah love that Good job. I know, right? (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Okay, well, do you have any other questions for Lindy? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I know. I really, I really enjoyed it. And I, I mean, I already, I feel like I knew these things about you, but it was good to hear it again. And it was good to just come and see you. I got to speak to Lindy in person just so everyone (laughs) on the podcast can be a little bit jealous of me. Um, I actually do have one question. Do you know your Zodiac sign? Oh my gosh. She gets woo woo and it's great. I'm going to answer this because so I just got sent an online interview like questionnaire type thing and she's like Zo- what's your zodiac sign I literally had to google it oh my goodness I was like zodiac sign what's a zodiac sign okay <laughs> okay so what is it I'm a Leo I freaking knew it in my head this whole time I was like she's a Leo she's got to have a birthday just recently had to have oh a birthday like I knew totally. you were a Leo I should have started and been like are you a Leo because that would have yes. been way better by like, well I'm just gonna brag for a second like I'm a double Aries Leo so that's probably why we get along so well I don't know. Uh, yeah, I gotta go read some books on signs. No, Leo, that's so funny. That is. Sydney's also a I'm Leo. I'm also a Leo, so I can relate to a lot that you're saying. So I'm yeah. like, she's gotta be a Leo. That's I was like funny. thinking of any other, because I'm also shy as well. Like I have a shy piece to me, but I'm also like, when yeah. I put my mind to something, so I'm like, that's that's gotta be a Leo. For I love sure. it. I that's love so it funny. So I'm much. glad that you know. Okay, I just had to ask because I'm sure the people who are a part of this because of the woo woo aspect, yeah. my community would want to know. So I love it. <laughs> I freaking love it. That's so great. Funny. Well, Lindy, thank you so much for coming on the Empowered Beauty Boss podcast today. You gave us so much great information, so valuable. So we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, and I just. Thanks for being my friend, mostly. I'm going to get, like, on that level. I really... You guys have only known Lindy for maybe two years, 
if that, like we started talking, but then we got talking even more and then we had a sleepover and it was way cool. I invited myself to the sleepover. It was cool. <laughs> but anyways, I want you guys, especially if you are a lash artist, make sure that you're following Lindy. It's EBL Lashes. Her website is extensionsbylindy.com. Try her products out because they are bomb. And I'm not just saying that. <laughs> I definitely mean it because I'm a product whore. <laughs> but anyways, thank you again, Lindy, for inviting us down and chatting with us. And I hope everyone enjoys. And we will see you next episode. Thanks for having me.